You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Amen. The scripture reading today is John 12, 36b, 50, on page 899. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid from himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. And word that I have spoken will judge, on, judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The word of God for the people of God. Many times we as believers will, will kind of wonder, how is it that someone... Um, can hear the story of Christ and hear the things that we heard that were so convincing, um, but not believe, but turn away and reject it. You know how I, 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 it, it boggles my mind how anyone can just look out on creation and doubt that there was an order and intent and someone to create and make. And, and it's hard for me to understand how someone can hear the gospel message and not see it as wonderful good news um, that they were ready to commit themselves to. And um, uh, the people who would have been reading John's gospel um, for the, the first hearers of this message uh, would have to be asking themselves, if Jesus really did all these things... Why did so many of his own people reject him? If he really did raise Lazarus from the dead and he really did heal these people, why did they send him to the cross? How is it that anyone, if they saw these things, would, would not believe? And it, you know, it strikes me as interesting that um, 
for the longest time I had never noticed this, but there's times in the Gospels where it talks about people rejecting in the face of the greatest miracles. Matter of fact, um, Matthew talks about uh, when Jesus had been resurrected and he gathers the disciples on the mountain and he's about to commission them and be uh, ascended to heaven. It says even there that as they gathered that some still doubted. How could you possibly doubt had you been there and seen him? And that's exactly what happened. And so we, we have this word here where John is reminding us that Jesus' rejection and the people not believing him and people continuing to disbelieve this message is not a failure of the signs that Jesus did. And it's not a failure on the message that God has given to us. It's not saying that God has not spoken clearly so that we can't hear but rather it exactly is a fulfillment of the prophecy of what would happen when God sent the Messiah. And so he points us to um, some passages from Isaiah to tell us this is exactly what Isaiah said was going to happen, was that people would reject. And that rejection itself is part of God's judgment on our sin. And so uh, um, John tells us in verse um, that. 37, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And verse 38, so they would fulfill what Isaiah had said. And then he quotes uh, chapter uh, 53 of Isaiah, verse 1, Lord, who has believed when he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's kind of this rhetorical question, you know, who, who's believed this? Now that, that is part of um, one of the suffering servant psalms. Uh, sorry, not Psalms, Surfing Servant Songs. Um, it's a poem that describes the coming Messiah who would take our sins. We're going to look at it in, in, in a minute, but it's, it's amazing how much of this tells us about who Jesus is and what he's going to do. But he also says, um, quotes again, Therefore uh, they uh, could not believe, for again Isaiah said, and then verse 40 he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and I would turn to them and heal them. And that, that's part of um, a very famous passage from Isaiah. Uh, you might want to turn there. Isaiah chapter 6 is this um, vision that Isaiah has where he's lifted up into the throne room. And he says, I see the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And it goes on to talk about how God's glory is displayed, and, and Isaiah reveals his sin and the sin of the people he's with. And then um, from this, God calls out and says, who can I send as a messenger to my people? Who's going to go and share my word to them? And in these famous words, which uh, uh, we sing as a song sometimes, chapter 6 of Isaiah, verse 8, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And very often when I've heard this message proclaimed, you know, preached uh, or taught, it kind of ends there. This is wonderful, glorious picture of God in His temple. 
His, his glory is evident, and Isaiah sees his glory, and God calls for one to go share the message, and Isaiah takes the message and says, I'll, I'll go, I'll prophesy, I will tell the people. But then we follow with what the message is. And it's not a message of hope. It's a message of judgment. It's a message that God has for the people who have turned away from Him and have followed idols who can't see, who have no heart, who can't hear, who have who followed away from the living God and have started pursuing idols who don't exist, who, who aren't capable of doing anything. And so in verse 9 of chapter 6, God tells Isaiah, Go and say to the people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and, their blind, and blind their eyes, lest they see with, their ears and he, uh, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with the hearts and turn and be healed. It's a word of judgment that for those who have ignored God and refused to look upon Him, for those who have refused to hear His word, He's going to harden their hearts so they can no longer see, so they won't hear. So they, they won't have a heart that's soft and turned. He's hardening in the decision and the will that they have chosen. Y'all, that, that is the most terrifying judgment God can lay upon anybody. To let us go in our rebellion. To leave us be and say, fine, I won't speak anymore. I won't show you my glory. You, you, you don't want me, I won't be with you. You, you don't want my presence? Fine, you, you can turn away. It's the most terrifying thing. And John is saying this is the fulfillment of that. That God's glory has been displayed to us in Jesus Christ. He is the Word who has become flesh. And they refuse to see it. They refuse to hear it. And so God says He's blinded their eyes. He's hardened their hearts. He's hardened them in that decision to turn from them. And it said in verse 41, back in John, John 12, 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Isn't that amazing? When Isaiah was in that temple and he saw the glory of God filling the temple, John says that was Isaiah seeing Jesus. That was him seeing the one who was before all who became flesh and dwelt among us. That was God's glory that was displayed. And so there are those who would um, be blind to this and they refuse it. And yet there's also those that said, nevertheless, many even of the authorities, verse 42, believed in Him but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so they would not be pointed out of the synagogue. In other words, here's this glory. Here's what God's revealed in Jesus Christ. And there's some who just refuse to see it. But there's others who mentally get it. They see and they can't deny that, that Jesus brought Lazarus. ...of the Pharisees. They were afraid of the consequences and they were afraid of people um, casting them out and, and rejecting them and turning from them. And I'm afraid that's something we all face. That's something we all kind of at times are tempted to do. Um, that we, we know the truth about God. We, we believe the things about Jesus intellectually. 
but we're hesitant to commit to it in a real way because we, like them, love the glory that comes from people rather than the glory that comes from God. This is the, 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 um, um, sim, the, the situation Ed Welch calls when people are big and God is small. Have you ever had a time when your friends were wanting to do something and in your conscience you kind of felt like this is not really a a good thing for um, someone who follows Christ to do? But in your imagination, the idea of what everybody else is going to say if you hesitate, if you say, I don't watch that or I don't really think I need to go to see something like that, your idea is all your friends saying, oh, you're a fundamentalist or you're extremist or... Um, come on, are you, are you really that serious? It's not that big of a deal. That becomes huge in your mind. And God's glory and God's praise and God saying to you, do what I call you to do. Stand up for what's right. becomes so small that you give in to something you really kind of thought, I shouldn't do this because what other people would say matters more to you than what God would say. People are big. God is small. You love the glory of people rather than the glory of God. That is, you you prefer to think about what people think about you than what God thinks about you, and so you give in. And that that faces us in many ways. It can face us of how we, um, you know, whether or not we're going to profess Christ, uh, whether or not we're going to commit ourselves to Him, even though we might intellectually know and, and be convinced and the thing is, when we get there, we, we start giving ourselves reasons to disbelieve, to, to stop believing. Um, I've, I've, you know, we, we do what we know what's wrong and then excuse it. Let me tell you that one of the most powerful moments in my life was when I suddenly decided um, people can call me whatever name they want. I want to do what's right. Uh, and this was, I was, I was kind of being brought into some uh, possible leadership opportunities and, and, um, and there was always the fear that if you were called fundamentalist, you weren't going to be there. You had to be kind of open-minded. And, and I, I knew that, I mean, I don't think I'm fundamentalist. I guess, you know, that's one of those things, anybody who's further on one side of something than you are, you can use that name with. And I remember there was a time I was honestly making a lot of decisions and not speaking up when I felt like I should have been speaking up. And I, I turned away from a lot of things because I wanted uh, you know, the perspective of people and, and opportunities. And I was really struggling with something I needed to do and something I needed to say. And it just struck me of, well, I'm, I, call me whatever. It's a name. And I don't care what you think. I want to follow Scripture and I want to please God. And the thing is, that was amazingly freeing and amazingly powerful. It is amazing how powerful it is if you suddenly say, I don't care what other people call me or think about me. What I care about is pleasing God and what He says about me. That that is um, a wonderful place to be. And so I hope that as you hear this and you see this, that they are the ones who loved the glory of people more than the glory of God. I hope you will 
examine yourself and, and you know, repent from any times you say, I want to the praise of people more than God. That, that you look at opportunities in your life when, when you can let God be as big as he should be rather than letting the, the view of other people outweigh God's opinion. Because if you understand what he's saying here, that, that, that's the inevitable outcome because he talks about his glory. Uh, Jesus gets up and this is this kind of final calling to trust in him before we get into um, the, the last um, evening of his life being told through the, the, the gospel. And the one we see is Isaiah seeing the glory of one whose glory is the glory of one who comes to suffer and die for us. This is the wonderful irony that we see in John is Jesus' glory is being exalted on a cross of being displayed in his suffering. That portion of Isaiah that John initially quoted of who had believed from us, who had heard from us, told you that's part of the, the suffering servant song. It actually began in, in chapter um, 52. He talks about him. Uh, Behold my servant, he shall be high and lifted up, he shall be exalted. And that's what Jesus has said. He's about to die by being lifted up. And he's saying this is what Isaiah was saying. The, psalm goes, the song goes on, for he grew up before us like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. That is, they look at him and they don't see God's glory. He's just something to be despised and rejected. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. They rejected him. They turn away from him. They disbelieved is what Isaiah prophesied and what John tells us was fulfilled. And yet surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him was stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. So if you see his glory, if you see him lifted up, you see one who is lifted up to suffer for every lousy thing you have done. Every failure to live up to God's law that I have committed, every time I've hurt someone, every time I've been selfish, every time I've made myself the sinner and I've turned away and hardness to anybody else, and I've hurt somebody else, that is put on Him. And when you look at Him who is lifted up, you see the glory of God, not just displayed in His amazing uh, creativity and wisdom and strength and power, but you see the glory that's displayed that He's willing to die and to bleed for all the filth that is hidden in your heart so that He can call you pure and holy and make you His own. If you get that, if you see His grace and His love that you don't deserve, His glory will be much greater to you than the glory of any person who is speaking in your ear, of anyone you hear. There's a, a line from um, the Lord of the Rings. I can't remember the context, but I love the quote. Uh, where somebody's um, being honored and they say, the praise of the praiseworthy, it's its own reward. In other words, if somebody is praiseworthy and wonderful and 
majestic and amazing as Jesus, for him to give you glory is above anybody else's. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. 